Okay, God, let's go. Let's just, let's just follow after the cloud. What do you say? Mm. <laughs> Jesus, all right, let's get into the word. Let's get into the word. Uh, do you all mind standing? We're going to talk about Daniel this morning. All right. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict that enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Ah, Father, I bless you. I thank you for your word. Oh, Father, give us a love for your word. Oh, Father, give us a love for that that can change our lives, Father. 
Lord, I just pray that you release your Holy Spirit in such a way today, God, that we grab hold of you with both hands, God. I pray, God, that today we become fully engaged in your desire, in your will for our lives. And Father, I ask that you change us from the inside out as we run hard after you, God. May my stuff be forgotten in your stand, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh my goodness. I get so excited. <laughs> it's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I just, there's something when the Lord begins to open up his word that, um, it just blows me away. He just blows me away. When I started to study for Daniel, the first thing I normally do is just ask the Lord about what he might have in his lesson for us in Daniel. Um, because I believe anybody he puts in the Bible, he puts in there to teach us something. I mean, think about it. Think of all of the people that he could have chosen that he walked among day after day. And uh, the good men, the the blessed women, the, the people that impacted his life and that he impacted. But yet there there were those that were chosen. When God looked down, he went, I want to talk about this one. And I want to talk about that one and that one. And I believe that every single one of the people that we learn about in the Bible has a lesson for us. I believe that, well, many lessons for us. And Daniel, just, um, I have learned a lot this week. I really have learned a lot. Today we're going to talk about taking down lions. Taking down lions. And I really just felt in my spirit that some of you feel like in Psalms 57, 4, David says, my life is among lions. Some of you feel like um, you are literally surrounded sometimes. I think sometimes you feel like you are bombarded and, um, and nobody's paying attention. But I want you to know that someone is paying attention and that God sees you. And no matter where you are in your life, all of us face things in our life uh, that tear at us, that are sharp and cut us. There are things and people in our lives that have a tendency to um, to present threat or to um, make us feel uncomfortable or leery or just plain out wounded. And there, there's a way that we can walk on this planet. There's a way that we can walk on this planet that allows us to go through lion's dens and God move on our behalf. There's a way that we can walk if we look at Daniel's life uh, that allows, that prompts God to go, oh no, oh no, we, you know, and shut the lion's mouths in our lives. That is a prayer often in my life the, that the Lord would shut the mouths of the lions. And some of you have lions. Some of you have them at work. Some of you face them at home. Some of you are in those kinds of situations. And I just want to talk to you today about how to walk it out. How do we walk it out? I honestly think my husband probably could have uh, taught this lesson better than I could because as I studied it, as I began to study, I saw, I saw so much of him in it. I saw so much of the way he lives his life in it. I was challenged in it. When I began to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, so what is it that we need to learn from Daniel? What do I need to learn from Daniel this week? Because there's so many things. And I said, Lord, when, when I say the name Daniel, what, what immediately comes to your mind? And I just felt like the Lord said integrity. He was a man of integrity. He had great integrity. And um, I, I, I thought, okay, Lord, then 
me doing what I do, I, I picked up and I began to search to see if the word integrity was actually used in the book of Daniel. And I could not find that exact word. And I said, Lord, but I don't find the word Daniel. Y'all have to understand, I just talk to God. This is how we work these things out. I said, God, I don't find the word integrity. He said, I didn't say the word, I painted the picture. Because I, he knows that I relate better to picture books. If you can show me, then God, I can understand it. And Daniel was a man of integrity. And that particular word is tom, T-O-M. And it means um, complete, full, um, living simply and undivided. Uh, Tom is there there is no distraction, nothing to be taken away from him, just whole and complete and sound and simple. And, and that's the way that he lived his life. He listened to God and he did what God told him to do. That's one of the things Hal says to me a lot of times when I'm struggling with something or I'm having a hard time. <laughs> and he'll go, Barbie, it's really pretty simple. If you'll just find out what God wants you to do and do it. But somewhere between finding out what God wants us to do and doing it, there are all of these I wants and I don't want to's and I wish and can't someone else's. But if we would just live that way, because see, that's how Daniel lived his life. He lived his life going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And doing it, walking in an integrity that made him, he walked soundly and completely. No matter where he was, he didn't change. He didn't change. And see, we change to accommodate our situation. We change to accommodate the people around us. And we change. And I love, and I'm jumping ahead, but I love that passage of Scripture that says, when Daniel heard that the the decree had been issued, he went home, went up to his room, and prayed just as he did before. Sometimes we need to live in a just-as-he-did-before kind of way to where we we stop... um, being afraid of standing up for the things that we believe are right, the things that we believe are true. We need to have some integrity, some spiritual integrity. And the, the thing that strikes me most about him is that he, his life was about being pure before God. Being pure before God. I don't know about you, but our lives are about being forgiven by God. Our lives are spent going, yeah, I'm going to blow it today. And I'm going to do this and this, but I'm going to be forgiven. Instead of going and being proactive and going, God, I want to live pure before you today. Are we going to blow it? Yes, but it shouldn't be a lifestyle. It shouldn't be a lifestyle. Our heart should be, God, I want to stand pure before you in as much as I can. So much so that from the time he was a child and was taken into exile, he would not even eat the food that they offered him because he didn't want to defile himself before the Lord. He knew what God said about things. See, some of us don't do those things because we don't know what God says about them. And we've got to find out what God has to say so that we can pursue purity in front of him, so that we can walk before him with a heart that fully intends to please him. Sometimes we get in the mindset, oh, I'm going to disappoint him, and we live our lives doing so. Does that make sense? 
But if, and yes, we are going to disappoint him all the time. And we're going to disappoint ourselves if we, you know, we, I understand it's a grace thing. Absolutely. None of us could stand except for the mercy and the grace of God. But shouldn't the desire of our heart to be, to walk before him clean? I just, then that's what he did. He lived pure before him. Uh, we watch Daniel it, in chapter one, of course, he's taken into exile and, and, uh, with his friends who would become Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's taken into exile. In chapter 2, he's first uh, presented really with the opportunity to use some of the gifts that, that God has given him. And um, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, I called him Neb in all of my notes. <laughs> he, he has this dream and it troubles him and he can't... Um, discern what it means he doesn't know what it means so he calls for all the wise men he calls for all of the magicians of course they can't of course he steps it up a notch and he says i don't want you to just tell me what it means i want you to tell me what my dream was some of us might attempt the interpretation i see harps on trees we might attempt the interpretation but none of them could tell him and they, he said okay i'm going to kill you all if you, <laughs> he was a little harsh. Um, he said, I'll, I'm going to kill all the wise men because they can't do anything. And Daniel hears about it and he says, he begins to inquire of the Lord and he goes to the king. He requests an audience of, of the king and he goes and he prays. Seeks the Lord comes and gives him then interpretation. And uh, when the king begins to praise him, he said, or when he begins to extol Daniel, Daniel says, no, it wasn't me who did that. There is a God. There is a God who reveals secrets. And let me tell you something, guys. There is a God who reveals secrets that God will so reveal himself to you if you will allow him, if you will seek him, go after him with all of your heart. Scripture says if you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. That kind of God. There is a God who reveals secrets. And Daniel lived his life that way. Daniel received no glory. It wasn't that people and men didn't offer it. He didn't receive it because he knew where all glory belonged. And uh, and Daniel lived his life knowing there is a God who dot, dot, dot. There is a God who dot, dot, dot. And so we watch in the first six chapters of Daniel, we watch him reveal dreams. We watch him uh, give the interpretation of yet another dream, which I would have so been hesitant to give when the king had the dream and uh, Daniel comes and gives the interpretation. He says, well, basically it means you are going to lose your mind, eat grass in the field, and be wet with dew for seven times or seven years. So you are. this is what it's going to be. That would not be an easy thing to do. We love to give a word, don't we? We love to give a word that makes people go, oh, you're so cool. But what if you're called to give a word that people want to stone you afterwards? <laughs> I mean, truly, obedience. But you know what? It does say that Daniel was hesitant. It does say that Daniel had, that the king could tell that Daniel was just a tad hesitant in this. And the king said, no, you tell me what it says. And see, we ought to desire truth like that. We ought to, we ought to desire the truth of God in that kind of way. Then we find him on the, uh, interpreting for, for Neb's son when he had all of the, the, had about a thousand people in for a feast and they began to drink and eat from the holy instruments and a disembodied hand appears and begins to write on the wall, I think I would have dropped the cup. 
I think I would have put it down, and it begins to write many, many Tekel um, Parsons, and it says, and they called for those wise men whose lives had been spared again, called for all of those, said, can you interpret that? And they're like, no. And the queen says, there is a man who interpreted your father's dreams. His name's Daniel. Call for Daniel. Daniel comes, and I love this. He was so unseduced. He, he, you know, they say, we'll, we'll clothe you in scarlet and we'll give you gold to wear if you will interpret what we have, what is written on the thing. He said, you can keep your stuff. I'll tell you what it says. It says, <laughs> it says, basically, I have numbered the days of your kingdom and drawn them to an end. He actually says that twice. If you look in the, the Aramaic, it says it twice, and we all know that when God says it twice, it really confirms it. I have numbered the days of your kingdom, brought it to an end. I have weighed you in the balances and found you wanting. And <laughs> now your enemies, the Medes and Persians, will take over your kingdom. It is now divided. I can't really say that I want Daniel's anointing. I mean, can you even imagine... Keep your stuff. I'll tell you what it says. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. So how could he do that? How could he live that way? It, it was just, it, it was who he was. And before you dismiss it and go, well, that was Daniel, let me, let me just say to you, God put this stuff in you. God gave you the ability to hear his voice and act on it. God gave you the gift of of discernment. I believe God gives you when you are filled with his spirit. I believe you can and should operate in his gifts and be filled with the fruits of the spirit. I believe that. I don't believe that um, God withholds any good gift from his children. And so when I begin to talk to you about Daniel, I want you to understand that these are things that you can walk in. And I'm not talking about the woohoo. I'm talking about the obediences. I'm talking about the death-defying obediences that we sometimes get the honor and privilege of walking in because we know him. So how did Daniel do that? How did Daniel live that way? We find it in the very first uh, passage of Scripture that we read. It says that Daniel distinguished himself among all of the others by his exceptional qualities. What exceptional qualities? What made him be distinguished among the rest? He was distinguished because of all of his exceptional qualities. The very first passage in the first chapter of Daniel, it talks about when they were taken into exile, and it says these are the the qualities that they were looking for. In whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, all of you are good-looking, Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. Now see, those are not, those are not skilled positions. Those are people who, those are things that are in Daniel's heart that are birthed. You know, those are, those are qualities that we have that if we will give them to God and allow Him to grow them, that we would be insightful. He said that, that Daniel having insight set him apart. Daniel having insight set him apart. Daniel having wisdom set him apart. What does that say about the people that were around him? Teachable, who gives attention to the things of God. 
These are all things that we can walk in. Integrity. One of the things when you break down the definitions, it it says that they would grow in strength and knowledge and have the ability to stand in the king's courts and teach. And you have that. If we will grow in wisdom, if we will apply ourselves to purity before God, if we will move toward him, those are attributes that I believe we have. Now, I do not think we are born with those, um, so to speak. I believe they develop in our life by our choices. So, you know, when we're born, (laughs) we kind of come into this world wanting what we want and doing what we want. And hopefully our parents shape us in such a way that that we outgrow that, but some of us don't. And see, one of the things is that um, if we don't outgrow it, we don't mature into our faith. Katie, integrity isn't innate. It is developed, I believe. Is that me? Um, When she was about three years old, she was uh, upstairs and had obviously been in the boys had obviously been in the boys room and uh, she comes to the top of the steps and she has like red and yellow and green and her cheeks she looks like a chipmunk and she's got all these colors coming out her chin and I said Caitlin have you been in the boys skittles <laughs> Katie have you been in the boys skittles no and she came down the steps dripping Skittles saying, I'm, I, I, I know, I've not been in them. And we do that. We do that. And see, we're not necessarily born leaning in that direction, and nor do we always have the influences around us that, that would teach us integrity. I had an Uncle Junior. Yeah, the name says it all. <laughs> I had an Uncle Junior, and he was not given to acts of integrity. And, uh, I mean, he was prone to, if you got on his property, he shot fireworks at you. <laughs> we did it just because we liked the fireworks. And we were fast. And, um, I mean, he stole a boat trailer out from somebody's, underneath somebody's boat. They came out and found their boat tied to the back of their car with a rope. <laughs> you have to admit that's pretty creative. And so integrity was not high on the list of many of the people in my life, the stories I could tell you. I mean, but God teaches us integrity, and God puts people around us that show us what it's like to walk in that, to, to walk in integrity and to, um, to have exceptional qualities. Guys, be the exception. Don't ha- you don't have to fit in. Be the exception. Be the one that is after the heart of God. Let me tell you something. You might think that you're the sore thumb sticking out, but really they're watching. They're watching, you know, because everybody, God puts inside of each of us, eternity is written on the hearts of men. On, on the inside of each of us, there is a desire for God. Whether we spend our lives denying it or not, The fragrance of God released into a place by you being the exception can shift everything. You will not know till you stand on the other side of the divide who you have impacted in this world. You will not know till you see them there. And a word that you speak or a way that you live or a smile that you give or a hug, whatever it is, the wisdom you walk in, the discernment that you can walk in, you can change lives. You can change lives. The second thing that it says about um, Daniel, and I love this, 
is that there was no corruption or negligence in him. Corruption or no corruption or negligence. This word corrupt, it literally means something that was whole that has now had pieces just picked off of it. It is no longer whole. It no longer has the integrity of wholeness because pieces have just been chipped away. Some of us pieces have been chipped away and we make excuses for that. Corruption, uh, we think of it as in a political sense, but corruption is anything that detracts from us and, and the wholeness that God put in us. Corrupt. Corrupt, to, to be taken away from. It's the impairment of integrity. And so it would stand to reason that they would find no corruption in him because he was a man of integrity. No departure from it. Anything that would make him whole. Um, the opposite of corrupt or to be corrupt is to feel emptiness. To be corrupt is to feel lack, to be wanting, to be, um, have anything attached that takes away the whole. And I just wonder how many of us would meet that criteria. See, his testimony was undefiled. Mine isn't. My testimony is definitely corrupt. If you take that definition and go places where um, things were taken away, places where I walked where I shouldn't have walked, then my testimony is defiled until Christ Jesus redeemed it. But they, they could not find any corruption in Daniel. That is amazing to me. And negligence, you know what? If, <laughs> if corruption, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, um, I believe in what we'll find in just a minute is that God rescued Daniel. God moved on Daniel's behalf. And Daniel's words say it was because I was innocent in his sight. If it was based on innocence in his sight, when I got thrown into the lion's den, I'm pretty sure a plate and fork would have been thrown in after me. Because I, I don't have that testimony, but I, but there is a God. But there is a God. And the second thing is negligence. Negligence. Listen to the definition of this. Ne- negligence, shalu, marked by carelessness, lazy, derelict, without a sense of duty, inattentive. Today we call that a laid-back personality. Today we just call that laid-back. The people who do not do what they say they're going to do when they say they were going to do it. They could find no charge against Daniel. I just want to read this to you because sometimes sometimes <laughs> okay intercessors you can start now <laughs> back row take it up um, alright um, sometimes we are so lazy Spiritually, we have all the energy in the world for a football game, but we don't have the strength to come to church and rejoice. You know, it's like, it's like we are so lazy. How lazy are we? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, no sense of duty. We think about the things that we volunteer for. Oh, it's a volunteer position. Are you kidding me? God took you serious. Guys, we are supposed to, we are supposed to do this like we're doing it for Him. And 
to be wholehearted, to have integrity, to not be negligent and put things off and put things off and put things off. And we put them off and put them off and then, then we forget and then we get mad at somebody who brought, draws it to our attention because, oh, they're just too high strung. No, you're negligent. I'm negligent. This was such a weakness in me. This was a place I got to it when I got to it. You know, you're all just going to have to walk in grace toward me. If I told you I was going to do something, I had the best of intentions. And you can have the best of intentions and still bring reproach to the name of God. Because we are supposed to walk in integrity. And we are supposed to do what we say we're going to do and we're supposed to finish it. Whoa, (laughs) concept, you have no idea how many projects I had started in my house. You just don't, you just, guys, I can, I'm saying this to you because I lived here. I lived here. I was great out of the gate. I was so excited in the beginning to do whatever it might be, but I never finished a thing. And you know what? That is not God's nature. That is not who he is. If you think you're displaying the nature of Christ with a million unfinished projects, you're wrong. And if you think you're displaying the nature of Christ and the people that are around you can't count on anything you say, you're not. And if you commit to do something and you don't do it, you need to repent and you need to ask them to forgive you and you need to ask God to forgive you and then you need to go and do it. Feel the love. That was Daniel. I had somebody, uh, uh, no, I don't want to tell you on me. I want to tell you on somebody else. But I had, <laughs> I had somebody get in my face this week and go, you going to stay this time? And everything in me wanted to go, what? But deep on the inside, in the situation that I was in, I, had to, I looked at her and I went, yes, I am. Because my history with this person was one of running. And when they said, you're going to stay, I had a decision to make. Do I get offended or do I step up into what God has for me in this moment? And I chose to step up and go, I'm staying. I'm staying. And, uh, and we've got to do that. And then the final thing, this one, I'm telling you what, guys. On the last subject, just for another minute, one of the reasons they couldn't make charges against Daniel was that he did what he said he was going to do. He did it, and he lived his life that way. When we don't do it, we open ourselves up for charges. And then we're rebuking lions like we've been attacked or, or we have been wrongly, done wrongly somehow, and we're rebuking the enemy, and God's going... Straighten up. Walk in integrity and you won't have to deal with this lion. But see, we get mad and we accuse and, 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 well, you just shouldn't be so hard on me. And the lions chew our legs off. I mean, graphic, isn't it? <laughs> but they do. And, and we're mad at everybody else because we're not going anywhere because the lion just chewed our legs off. And the final thing that Daniel did, and I love this, because what we see is that Daniel doesn't say this. The king says it about Daniel twice. And the last thing, the first thing we need to do is be the exception. 
The second thing we need to do when we are in the midst of lions, if we are in the den, whatever, the second thing is that we are not to be corrupt or negligent just because of our situation. It doesn't give us an excuse to back off of the things that God has told us to do. And the third thing is we have to move the comma. We have to put the comma back because there's a passage of scripture right here that says, the king says, (laughs) I'll read it to you. This passage of scripture says, let me get you down here. It says, may your God, right, is the last one we read, right before they threw Daniel in the lion's den, it said, may your God, whom you serve continually, comma, rescue you. See, we moved the comma. We did, may the God whom you serve, comma, continually rescue you. And that's where we live our lives, on the other side of the comma. Continually rescue me, God, and I will once in a while serve you. Something changed when we moved that comma. I went back because I thought, well, maybe we just did this now when some of the translations, it's in the ancient Aramaic uh, language, that comma, that little place is right there. That's where the pause is. The God whom you serve continually rescues you. And see, some of us, we got to get out of the mindset of rescue. Nothing about Daniel. It doesn't say when they threw him in the lion's den, he began to call out for rescue. He is our rescuer. Hear me. He is our rescuer. But we need to be serving him continually. And when you break that down, the God whom you serve continually, it's duer paka. And it means to dwell in continual reverence. Dwell in continual reverence. Daniel lived his life in reverence toward God. We eventually, once in a while, work our way into a place of reverence. After hours and hours and hours of worship, we work ourselves into a moment where we feel a glimpse of reverence. He dwelled there. And because he dwelled there, when he went into the lion's den, he didn't have to call out for rescue because he knew there is a God There is a God. So guys, wherever you're walking, can I get some music and we'll close this? And I need some prayer warriors. Because I believe in my heart we got some people who are in that den that are attacked and surrounded. If we will just grab this, If we will grab hold of this, do you understand? I just, I told Pastor Ronnie, I said, I have learned so much this week. I have learned so much. And see, there's this thing about God holding me accountable for what I teach. Oh my goodness. I just want to stay in the Psalms. That would be so much easier. But God is, I mean, he has ratcheted up the heat on me lately. So guess who's getting it? I mean, he is, he's pulling this and going, are you going to do what you say? Are you going to be who you say you are? Because we are allowing charges to be brought toward him. Guys, that we would walk in integrity. Can we stand? And this is what I'm asking. If you struggle in this area, I'm going to give you many areas so that you people can't go, oh, they struggle with this. If integrity, doing what you say you're going to do, when you say you're going to do it, and finish finishing it, I want you to come for prayer. If negligence, 
none of these sound very attractive. <laughs> Corruption. If, if, if you do not feel whole, if you do not feel sound and complete, and if you are not pursuing purity before Him, then I invite you to come. I invite you to come. And if you are one who has moved the comma, and your life is, is spent in, in pursuit of a cookie jar God who gives you what you want when you want it, requiring nothing of you. Let us introduce you to a God who knows that there's more in you than that. So, and now, if you have any other needs, the altars are open. <laughs> Jesus, Father, I ask that you release your Holy Spirit to convict and convince I ask, Father God, that you do what only you can do, Father, and those who need to be surrounded by you in this moment, God, to know that there is a God who will reveal secrets, that there is a God who cares. God, I ask that you just move. Holy Father, we bless you. We bless you, God.
Jesus' name.